Welcome to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. Once again, it's a pleasure to be here with you for another episode of the 247 Real Talk podcast. This week, I'm going to play around with some of the things that are in the news, and we're going to chat about them a little bit, because while I'm trying to move on to focus on specific issues, so many issues keep coming up, and our political landscape that's just a sham keeps giving us something to talk about so sit back relax and i'll be right back with you Welcome back to 247 Real Talk Podcast. Again, it's my pleasure to be here with you. I'm your host, Julian Perry, and we're just going to chat about a few things this week. Once again, I'll try to keep it to as short as I can, uh, but to pack it with my thoughts. So in no specific order, I'm looking down here because I'm looking at my phone and something flashed across my screen. It says, Trump criticizes evangelical leaders for not backing his 2024 presidential bid. Uh, days before his, he's about to host uh, an event, uh, uh, I guess a fundraiser or some, you know, for his reelection. The religious conservatives, who I think are a critical part of you know being nominated and winning the election for the Republican Party, have refused to endorse him. Um, he's called them disloyal, I'm reading here. And now, <clears throat> I'm trying to find out, you know, I'm trying to think of what's in this man's head, although, you know, that's a, that's a, a bigger conversation, but these are religious, evangelic, uh, evangelical, um, conservatives, and he's going to pick a fight with them. Um, you know, I can't help but think, and I've said before again, and I always say this on every single podcast, whenever I get into politics, I, if I had to define myself, I am for righteousness, for truth. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't go along party lines of Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian. I don't care. I don't, um, follow any party line. I follow what I think is right and true and what is best for the people. And then I'm thinking about the Republican Party from their perspective going into 2024. I think everyone has to admit whether you like it or not that uh, Governor DeSantis is is hot right now, right? <clears throat> Young guy seemed to capture a lot of Democratic votes in, in Florida. Um... I don't know a whole lot about his ideology, his positions, you know, and I'm not going to invest any time really in that yet because I don't know who the candidates will be. So, you know, 
I'm not going to go after breaking them down to, to, to expose or to, or to support whatever they stand for. I know that we've got a lot of different things going on and people are speaking to me about a lot of different issues. Um, and I started with Trump because, you know, we've got this whole issue of um, who's right for the country. How do we find someone who's right for the country? You know, one of the things that people came to me about this week was the student loan thing is rearing its head again, right? Because the Supreme Court has now come out and said as of February 28th, they will listen to the case. They will sit on the case. And a lot of people believe that, you know, based on the makeup of the Supreme Court, that ultimately they will overturn um, Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. And people, you know, as, as I chat with people about it, everybody says, well, what then? Okay. Is this president going to look at us and say, oh, well, I tried. Um, the Supreme Court overturned me, so you're on your own. Or is he going to look for ways that he can make a difference? So I was talking to people, and I said, well, well what ways can you make a difference? Um, they, they talked about lowering the cap of you know on 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 what part of your you know your your discretionary income you you have to pay towards student loans. So I think I saw something from Mohela, that's the the, the student loan company the other day that said it was something like ten percent, and in some cases it was fifteen percent. That's obviously too much. No one can pay that. It needs to be three to five percent. That's something I think he can do. People are still paying back. They can't go after him. It's not forgiveness should he lose. But it really, you know, it really changes the landscape for a lot of people who are struggling. There needs to, he needs to revamp the income-driven repayment uh, program. You know, he set this deadline where he said, well, as of June 30th, whatever the fight is, um, people should expect to start paying um, two months after that or something like that. But are you saying that if you lose, you're going to, that's how long it's going to take you to revamp the system? And I say revamp because, you know, if you look at it, you can't look at someone and say, you have to pay this back when they went to school legitimately, graduated legitimately, have been facing the challenges of, again, systemic racism preferential, whatever you want to call the different challenges we face, the recession, job market, whatever, COVID, and they're faced with all these challenges, losing a breadwinner, losing family members, and now they've got a mortgage that they may be paying a loan, right? So what are you going to tell them? You have to sell your house? That's not the American dream. Um, transportation, not only the train, but in some instances, depending on where you live, there's a need for a car. Um, a certain amount of allowance for lights and gas that is that is ridiculously expensive. Have you looked at the electricity bill recently? I have PS, PSE and G, and it's it's ridiculous. And so, um, I think the income driven repayment plan has to take these things into consideration. You cannot destroy someone's life when they they went to school to try and build a life. You know, I don't know how much more to 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 reach out and to and to try to get through to the to the hard heads of these people. And I hate to see the fact that if you're Republican or you're Democrat, you stand on an ideology that is inhumane. 
You're not standing for humanity. You're not standing for the majority of people. There are 46 million people who are dealing with student loans. There are many people who have dealt with it and who have paid it back. But they might have had the, the right circumstances, the right situation. Maybe they didn't have to take out that much in student loans. Maybe they had you know, somewhere to stay and live. Maybe they were younger and so they lived with their parents. There's a lot of things that change. Older people go to college because they want to make something better for their life. They're not at the stage where they can live with mommy and daddy anymore. Some people post-COVID have lost mommy and daddy. And now they're the breadwinners of their siblings and have to pay these student loans. We have got to get through to these politicians. Things have got to change. I mean, I, I, I feel like I cannot be the only person. I know I'm not the only person because I talk to so many people so often. But I feel like this cannot be an issue that seems so isolated that the entire country is not looking at this from some perspective. And for those who are totally against it, don't tell me about the debt America has because America's giving Ukraine and so many other countries over, over history so much money we've printed and given out that don't tell me about debt. You're investing in your own people who work in the United States who will be part of the tapestry that makes this country great. Don't tell me about that. Don't tell me about because, you know, someone else had to pay their student loans. It's not fair now that someone else doesn't. Well, that means that we never evolved, right? That means that, you know, what about the days of slavery, right? Look about the civil rights movement and all these things that had to make, had to bring about change, the things people had to fight for. Don't tell me that things can't change or shouldn't change. You look at the fact of what, and I say this because women and minorities make up the majority of that, those people with student loan debt. And all these different things were done for other people to lift them up and to give them a chance. Nothing was done for people of color. And women, uh, maybe one step ahead, unless they're a woman of color, you know, have faced these atrocities and, and, and had the world look down on them because they were born with a, you know, the a color of their skin. And now we want to tell the world that we're different, we've changed, we've recognized Almighty God created this equal, we recognize how people have been treated, we recognize their history, yet we want to do nothing about it. So many people who started a disadvantage, so many other races got a leg up. Minorities didn't. The struggle is still real. It's a struggle that should not be going on in this day and age, but it is. And so I know I've got a few uh, really staunch uh, supporters who recognize my passion because they refer to it a lot about the student loans, but it's a big deal. I speak to people all the time who, who, who are intelligent, who are brilliant who have gone to college who have uh, some of them have degrees I don't even I can't remember, remember the names of what they graduated in but they've got $400,000 in student loan debt and they're a person of color will they get a decent job probably eventually will they get a job that allows them to pay 10 to 50 percent of their discretionary income in student loan repayment not likely we can't be a country that just decides that because we want to hate each other so much that 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 we could we just gonna destroy lives. When do we become a country that has compassion? When do we really want to open up our hearts to truly understand what people of color have suffered? When do we want to recognize the that that this really happened? It's not a story. It's not a movie. 
I guess a lot of people who don't want to recognize what minorities have gone through and people of, of color have gone through and struggled are, are facing a challenge that if they do recognize it, then they kind of might not like what they see in the mirror. But I'm not going to stop talking. And I'm not going to stop asking you to share this word. And I'm not going to stop reaching out and, and growing my platform and bringing more people in so we can have these conversations. Eventually, it will change. I'm just praying that it changes or, or at least a dent is made before it destroys too many more lives. I've said enough about that. As I said, I don't want to keep this too long, but how can I go through another week and, and go to a different subject without talking about the now infamous... George Santos, congressman from New York. Oh, boy, where to begin or where to end, I don't know. I think there was some um, someone from, I'm not sure which politician today, asked the, the Department of Homeland Security to, um, to hold, to, to, to secure his passport. They feel that he will, um, ultimately he will, or he could try to leave the country and go somewhere where there's no extradition treaty. They feel that way because, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at this. I mean, you know, I was going to try to separate these two, but I can't. We had a situation in, in, in the House of Representatives where Speaker Kevin McCarthy wanted that job like his life depended on it. And because he wasn't going to get it, because people within his own party, 20, uh, Republicans, conservative Republicans who said, no, we don't like you. And he made so many concessions because these, these Republicans want to change. To the point now, he's, he's at the point where anyone, any one congressperson can, uh, from his party can bring a, a vote to the floor, a no-confidence vote to remove him. And I see it coming. This man still has no scruples. We know he has no scruples because he's willing to sell his soul to the devil to get that job. But what's even worse is the fact that he can't stand up. He doesn't have the cojones enough to stand up and say, hey, this, this issue with George Santos tarnishes the Republican Party, tarnishes the House of Representatives, tarnishes our political system and what we're we're, we're struggling to even you know stand for or get to. It has been so degraded and eroded. It has been brought down to this 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 pack of of of, of vultures, vulgar vultures, in the and, and and trying to get some semblance of 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 prestige and honor and 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 um, uh, what do you want to say? Uh, fairness and credibility back is just going down the toilet. You got a guy now, apparently George Santos has been um, assigned to a few committees. The man, there was some video, I think it's one or two videos surfaced where he used a different name. One of them I'm not too sure about because I think he has like four names and one of them was used part of his name, but one of them he, he used a complete alias as I understand it. He is on trial in absenteeism in Brazil for theft. And he has acknowledged and, and, and said openly that he stole a checkbook and he bought clothes and shoes or something like that. That's theft. 
And the reason the trial is going on now is because it was kind of put on hold because they couldn't find him until he decided he wanted to be a congressman. Lo and behold, they found him, right? He, we are finding out that a lot of the campaign contributions that he got are from questionable uh, individuals uh, with questionable records, um, criminal records. We're finding out that a guy who had no money and I think at one point made $50,000 a year made a $700-something-thousand-dollar contribution to his own campaign. We're finding out that he said his parents were part of the Holocaust, and they weren't. We find out he said he worked at Goldman Sachs, and he didn't. And I could go on and on and on. How does a prestigious, honorable uh, institution like the House of Representatives, and how does the United States government as a, as a whole want to stand as a credible government to the rest of the world when the rest of the world is looking at us some in awe some in dismay and some in ridicule we have someone who under any other circumstances would definitely not even be be hired at mcdonald's i mean you go you know i don't know if they change things now but i know a lot of applications ask you about whether you whether you've been I don't think they can say arrested anymore, but whether you've been convicted of a crime, um, but and he hasn't been convicted of a crime, don't get me wrong, but every single way we turn and look into this guy's past, there is, it, it's a fictitious life. And then he talks about the only time he's going to resign is if the people who voted for him uh, ask him to resign. The people who voted for him voted for whoever he read, who, you know, they voted for the guy who worked for Goldman Sachs, who um, had a certain educational background, whose parents were, you know, he got the empathy vote for part of the Holocaust, who was not wanted in Brazil for theft, you know, and I can go on and on. This Then there was something where I think when he used the alias, he was, he was talking about some organization he started that there doesn't seem to be a record of now. This guy is a fraud through and through. And I think that both sides of the aisle, both Democrats and Republicans, would actually applaud Speaker McCarthy for standing up, not because he was trying to figure out whether he wants to be a what Republican he wants to be and whether he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to upset ex-president Trump or whatever the case may be, stand up as a man on your own two feet. And do what is right. The people of the country are looking at you. And you seem to think it's okay because you you're you fought for this job and you yield or you well you will you 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You wield a certain level of power with that gavel. But the fact of the matter is, all those days, as much as you think you're winning, are coming to an end. It may not seem that way, but it is. People are tired. People are tired being lied to. People are tired, you know, to going out in rain and snow and whatever the case may be and voting for someone who's supposed to change their lives. Even people within your own party, even people within the Republican Party are fed up. I give two instances in this podcast right here. The 20 conservatives who held out for the longest while against Speaker McCarthy and made him concede to a point where he's, he's, he's a speaker, but he's the weakest form ever. And those who refuse to endorse 
President Trump. If you can't feel the shame, the, 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 if you can't feel the shift, and you can't feel the shame that your own party members have of their party, if you can't understand that whether you're a Democrat or Republican, there used to be a time that you stood on a certain set of ideals and you did so with pride openly because they meant something. The sham that we now have as a political system is exactly that. Here we've got another issue where uh, our current President Biden, they're finding classified documents in his old office, at his home. You know, I don't care whether it's President Trump or President Biden, what is going on here? Classified documents belong to, you know, it's like I work for, let's say, McDonald's. And I have their 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 documents, their, their financial records that are belong to the company. Every company you ever ever join, I'm just using McDonald's because I'm saying I don't want I want to take the politics out of it. So don't get me wrong. I'm not using McDonald's because there's anything derogatory about that. The job is a job. I'm just saying that you know any company or any place you work for, when you leave, you're expected to 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 hand over everything that belongs to that company. I don't care whether you, you used to be president, but having classified documents that are property of the country, of the government, of the, you know, that, that are classified so they are things that, if they get into the wrong hands, can harm us, those things don't belong in your old office, they don't belong in your, your old home, and they certainly don't belong in, 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 in any president's home. And I will say this as well, when asked to turn them over, if you find them, there shouldn't be a fight. There shouldn't be a need for subpoenas because they are not your property. The people we elected presidents were people, politicians, before we elected them. When we elected them and they won, they became presidents. But the rules didn't change because the rules govern our country. They did not automatically become so powerful that they're above the law. We need to hold all politicians accountable, accountable for the things they do, accountable for the things they say, ac accountable for the decisions they make, accountable for how they treat us, and accountable for how much they, they fight for unity with the two parties, the two main parties, or they stand on this nonsense, this old, archaic uh, old school, as we call it, ideology of division, divide and conquer. What they need to recognize is, you look at this last election, and what everyone thought that would happen, where there would be a sweep of Republicans in the House, it didn't happen. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna debate why or whatever. What I am gonna say is, if the politicians, both Democrats and Republicans, don't recognize that people are becoming so fed up that they are starting to do their own thing that they don't want what you're selling, and they're making decisions this, you know, regardless of what you go out there and you campaign about, then none of you can predict what we'll do next. And I'm going to be part of the set of people who push for us to elect politicians for the people, by the people. Elect, elect politicians who are steadfast in their word, their commitment, their honesty, their decency, and most of all, are politicians who are here to make lives better for the people of this great nation of the United States of America.
You cannot put foreigners ahead of us. When I say foreigners, don't get me wrong. This is America. We are a tapestry of immigrants. When I say foreigners, let me be clear. I'm saying that you cannot send trillions of dollars to Ukraine and tell Americans that you cannot do something to help them with student debt. You cannot send millions of dollars to other countries in the world and watch people hungry in America, homeless in America, people who who don't don't choose that life but have had bad things happen, whether because of their fault or other reasons. COVID is a great example of how leave people's lives have been turned upside down. First pandemic in 100 years. Do not tell me that it is more important to you to have political standing, foreign, foreign political standing, that you are willing to sell your soul to the devil, to turn your backs on the American people who need help, to tell people who are struggling again with homelessness and student loans and, 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 and mental illness that their issues are second to what you need to do for foreign countries. The next time we'll talk a bit about mental illness because every single day we hear about people who are either dying by suicide or overdosing on drugs. And while people who OD on drugs have a habit, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Mental illness spans a broad spectrum. I'm going to reach out to some of my previous guests and some guests who have reached out to me, potential guests, to talk more about the issue. We need to start taking care of each other. We need to start taking care of ourselves. So with that, I'll leave you for this week. I wish you a great weekend and a powerful, blessed, and accomplished week ahead. As you stand forward, stand up, be counted. Find time in your busy schedule to make a difference. It'll be worth your while, and it'll be worth your while of your children. I'm your host, Julian Perry. This has been 247 Real Talk Podcast. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.